Hello and welcome to Bible 101. This is lesson number 21. In the last lesson, we talked primarily about David and Goliath. And that was 1 Samuel chapter number 17. Then we talked about the fact that Saul begins to get jealous of David because the women came back singing, Saul has slain his thousands, but David is tens of thousands. And so Saul attempts to kill David for the first time. David escapes. And then once again, Saul attempts to kill him, and David flees. And David is on the run, and that's what we're going to talk about this week. Before we begin, let's pray. Jesus, we thank you so much for this opportunity to be able to study the Word of God. Please talk to us today. Give us understanding and revelation. Anoint me your servant, Lord. Lead me and guide me as I teach today. Help me to teach under your divine anointing and inspiration. Give me the words to speak in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, I'm going to start by talking about David being on the run from Saul. And what happens is, if you remember right, in the last lesson, after he killed Goliath, David and Jonathan formed this tight-knit relationship. And Jonathan attempts to take up for David, but uh, because of this, he comes under the attack of his father Saul. And Saul, once the Spirit of the Lord departed from him, he ceased to do one good work. Uh, David, when he was on the run from Saul, ran to the house of the Lord. And there he met Ahimelech the priest, and he ate uh, the, the bread, which was not lawful for anybody but the priest to eat, but he was allowed to eat it uh, with the stipulation that if any of his men had been with women, they could not eat it. But he said that women had been kept from them, and so they ate of the holy bread. Uh, and then he asked for a sword, and he said, the only sword we have here is the sword of Goliath. He said, it's perfect. There's none like it. Give it to me. And so David takes the sword of, the, of Goliath, and uh, him and his men depart. When Saul gets the news, he comes to Ahimelech the priest and interrogates him and winds up killing every one of them, except for one that escaped by the name of Abiathar. Abiathar escaped and ran to David, and David said, I am responsible for the death of all of your father's house. He said, stay with me. And so Abiathar stayed with David, and now David is going to inquire of the Lord many times uh, through Abiathar. And so what we're going to see is the difference between David and Saul is Saul never built an altar until it was too late or uh, when it wasn't really his place to do so. At one point he offered a sacrifice when he should have waited for Samuel. And uh, then he's going to seek the Lord toward the end of his life. But he rarely sought the Lord on his own. And David, however, before he makes any major decision, is always going to seek the Lord. When it comes to battles, even while he's on the run from Saul, he seeks the Lord. The Lord says, go and do this, go and do that. Don't do this, don't do that. David does everything just like the Lord tells him to do. And while he's on the run from Saul, there came a day where Saul came really close to capturing David. And uh, David sees that Saul and his uh, warriors go into a cave and uh, they fall asleep. And David sneaks up with one of his men by the name of Abishai. And uh, Abishai tells him, hey look, Saul's asleep. It's your chance. Kill him. The Lord's delivered him into your hand. But David said, no, I refuse to touch the Lord's anointed. Now, you might wonder why did he do this. It's because he was trying to show Abishai how to treat him when he became king. If he had risen up and killed Saul, then it would have been a clear example of how he was to be treated. Uh, let's say if his men got the upper hand on him when he was king. And so he respected Saul, and as a result, he would be greatly respected as king when he would come into his throne. And so he only cut off a corner of Saul's robe, and he felt even guilty for doing that. 
But it did serve as a piece of evidence to Saul. He cried out to Saul. Saul came out. He said, look, I could have killed you. The Lord delivered you into my hand. But instead, all I have is this little piece of your robe. So Saul apologizes and he goes back. But then uh, a little bit later, Saul comes after him again. And the same event happens. He goes into a cave to relieve himself. David sneaks up on him and could have killed him. But once again, he refused to kill him. And he just simply took, I believe it was his uh, water bottle. I don't have the scripture in front of me. Uh, but then he also took his spear and uh, he cried out. Abner was there with him and he accused Abner saying, you didn't watch over your master, you ought to die. And he called out to Saul and Saul came out and, and he, when he saw that David had his spear and his, uh, his equipment, uh, he was humiliated and he, and he said, uh, you could have killed me, David. I, I recognize that now. I'm so sorry. I'll never touch you again. Come back and, and you'll be safe. But David didn't trust him. And so for the first time, David makes a mistake. And uh, in, rather than go back to his home people and trust God, uh, David instead, for the first time, makes a move without inquiring of the Lord. And he goes to the land of the Philistines. And it does say that it worked. Saul never pursued him as long as he was in the land of the Philistines. But David had to live a lie. And all of this, by the way, is in 1 Samuel. I'm just kind of giving you a brief summary of some of these things. And so in chapter 27 of 1 Samuel, it says that David fled to Gath. And um, there in, in, uh, he met a man uh, by uh, the name of Achish. And uh, so he deceives Achish and he says that he went to other lands to steal from uh, the Israelites. But instead, he's actually stealing from other nations and he would kill every one of them when he would steal from them and plunder them. And then he would go back and lie and say that it was the Israelites that he attacked. And so uh, Achish, because of this, says, well, surely he's made himself abhorrent to his own people. And so now he will be my servant forever. But he didn't really know the reality of the situation. Well, the land that David and his men built was a land by the name of Ziklag. And this is a, they, they end up building a very profitable land there. And uh, David and his men are there. And David marries at least two wives, uh, Ahinoam, I believe it is, and Abigail. Uh, and so one day they're off doing something. And when they come back home, they find out that their land has been burned, that their wives have been stolen, their possessions have been stolen by the Amalekites. And so uh, they, uh, the men became very angry with David and they talked of even stoning him. But David encouraged himself in the Lord. He could have grown bitter. He could have been angry with God. He could have been angry with his own men. He could have lost his temper. But instead, he encouraged himself in the Lord. And the first inclination was not, let's panic here. His first inclination was, call for the priest. Call for the priest. So Abathar comes, he inquires of the Lord. And the Lord says, go after them and you'll surely recover all. So he goes and, and he, he captures uh, the Amalekites and he kills them and he, he gets his wives and his possessions back. And uh, then they come back and there's a great battle about to take place between Saul uh, and between the Philistines. Now, Philistines obviously were mortal enemies of the Israelites. And while, you know, the Philistines had won some battles, Israel had won some battles, it was kind of a back and forth thing and they'd never totally shaken off the impression of the Philistines. And so when they come back, uh, they find out that Saul's about to fight this battle with the Philistines and the Philistines have him surrounded. And Saul became very, 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 very afraid when he saw the, the Philistines line up for battle and he thought, oh, I'm going to need the help of the Lord. And so he attempts to cry out to God, but it's too late. 
uh, he's already killed the voice of the priest in his life, and he's already run Samuel off, and uh, he's attacked the Lord's anointed. It's too late to cry out to God. And so he tried to build an altar, but it was too late. I've seen this so many times in life. So many people attempt to build altars, but it's too late. They wait till they're on their deathbed, or they wait till they're uh, terribly sick to decide they need to get serious with God. But by then, many times, uh, you know, I have seen God show mercy in these cases, but in many times, I've seen it to where it's too late. And, uh, and in this case, it was too late for Saul. And so Saul couldn't get an answer, not by dreams, or by visions, or by prophets, or by Urim or Thummim, or anything. And, and so he goes and inquires of a witch. He disguises himself when he had once killed all the witches. Uh, but there was one, at least, that was left alive and indoor. He went and disguised himself and went there and, and tried to ask her to bring up the spirit of Samuel. And something came up. We're not sure if it's the spirit of Samuel or whether it was an evil spirit deceiving Saul. But it said that Saul would die. And that's exactly what happened. Uh, the next day in battle, the enemy lines up for battle and they come and Saul and all his sons are killed. And David gets back word. Now, I'm making a very long story short, leaving out a few details that are not necessarily uh, something that need to be talked about in the grand course of where I'm going here today. Uh, but then uh, David... Uh, goes before Judah, and he is anointed king of Judah, but not of Israel. Uh, the, there's a split now that happens, and, and his own people anoint him. He's of the tribe of Judah, but the rest of the tribes of Israel support the son of Saul, uh, Ishbosheth. And so uh, that lasts for a while, but then after seven years, David is finally anointed king over all Israel. Now, Saul went his entire kingship without ever once inquiring about the ark of the Lord. But David, the very first thing that happens when he becomes king of Israel is he says, we got to get the ark of God back. And so they, they go and they get the ark. But David didn't really pay much attention to the law because the ark was only supposed to be carried by the Levites. But David, instead of having the ark carried by the Levites, he put it upon a cart and it was carried by oxen. And the Bible says that a man by the name of Uzzah was traveling close to the cart. And so David's rejoicing and he's praising God, thanking God that he has the opportunity to bring the ark of the Lord back. And uh, the, the ark of the Lord begins to slip because it was not meant to be put upon a cart. And as it begins to slip, Uzzah, probably with somewhat good intentions, but maybe because he'd become too comfortable with the ark, after all he had lived uh, with it, and I don't have time to get into all that, he reaches out and touches it and God strikes him dead. And David is humiliated, and so they take the ark of the Lord and and, and they put it in a, a place because they're too afraid to take it the rest of the way. And uh, but but later on, David went back and probably had been doing some reading in the law, and they finally take the ark of the Lord back. And when they do, he begins to rejoice and praise God and worship God. And when he does this, uh, one of the women that he had married was Michal, uh, Saul's daughter. Uh, his second uh, oldest daughter. He had not married Merab, but uh, he got Michal and and uh, he had married her. And so he's worshiping and he's praising the Lord and he, he takes off his kingly robe and he's dancing and he becomes as any other man and he just dances before the Lord and he praises God. And, and Michal is up there in the window. She's judging him saying he's making a fool out of himself. And so when David returns to bless his house, Michal says, oh, how glorious was the king of Israel today who did unclothe himself in the sight of the maidens. And David uh, cursed her because 
he should have been blessed by her for what he was doing, but he cursed her. You see, because Michal had Saul for a dad. And she had seen Saul's uh, work as a king. Saul never lowered himself to dance before the Lord. So Michal thought how stupid it is to dance before God and to praise God in this fashion. But David told her, he said, hey, you ain't seen nothing yet. I shall yet become more vile than this. And so if there's one thing that could uh, categorize David, that could label him, it would be a worshiper. David was a worshiper. And I said it in the last lesson, and I say it yet again, that uh, Jesus was known as the son of David. He loved to be called the son of David. Why? Because David was a worshiper. David worshiped God. He praised God. And uh, on this occasion, he praised God. And we see in many occasions that David praise God. And so, even before his kingship, during his kingship, David writes many of the Psalms. Now, in the middle of your Bible, if you have a Bible that doesn't have a big concordance or a lot of study features in it, probably writes uh, in the middle, uh, in in Kentucky they say smack dab, Uh, right in the middle of the Bible, there is this book called Psalms. Many of those Psalms were written by David, and they are Psalms of praise and thanksgiving. Now, some of them do have some questions. God, why do you hide yourself from me? God, why are you far off from me? But uh, many of these Psalms are Psalms of praise. These were written by David. Some of the most well-known are Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil. My cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. So this is one of the most beautiful psalms, one of the most often quoted. Also Psalm 139 that talks about if I ascend into the heavens, you're there. If I make my bed in hell, you're there. If I take the wings of the morning, even there, your right hand shall guide me, you shall lead me. Uh, So David was a man that wrote very beautiful psalms, psalms of worship, psalms of praise, songs of, of pondering the great things of God, songs of questions sometimes. But he'd usually always end with praise and worship. And in this context, David is not only known as a worshiper, he's also known as a prophet. Let me prove this to you, because a lot of people don't know this. In the book of Acts, chapter number 2, this is what it says. Uh, It talks about David, and it says this. Let's go to the book of Acts, chapter number 2, and let's begin reading uh, with verse number 5. For David speaketh concerning him, I foresaw the Lord always before my face. Because he is at my right hand, uh, or sorry, for he is on my right hand that I should not be moved. Therefore did my heart rejoice and my tongue was glad. Moreover also my flesh shall rest in hope, because thou wilt not suffer my, uh, uh, but thou wilt not leave my soul in hell, neither wilt thou suffer thine holy one to see corruption. Thou hast made known to me the ways of life, thou shalt make me full of joy with thy countenance. Men and brethren, let me freely speak unto you of the patriarch David, that he is both dead and buried, and his sepulchre is with us to this day. Therefore, being a prophet, And knowing God that sworn with an oath to him, that of the fruit of his loins, according to the flesh, he would raise up Christ to sit on his throne. He, seeing this before, spake of the resurrection of Christ, that his soul was not left in hell, neither his flesh did see corruption. This Jesus hath God raised up, whereof we are all witnesses. So, uh, Peter, in this context, calls uh, David a prophet. Uh, 
And, and can I just say this, that many times you may think that your worship is wasted and you may not think that it, it uh, really means anything, but many times it's the worshipers that are used in prophecy. Uh, that may sound strange to your ears, but it's absolutely the truth. I recall a scripture in, I believe it's in Second Chronicles, where it says they prophesied upon the harp. As they were singing songs of praise, they were prophesying. Now, I believe what happened is David didn't probably realize that everything he was saying was prophecy. Uh, obviously, he didn't know about Jesus, and he didn't know about what was going to happen. And, and in Psalm 22, he prophesied the crucifixion, saying, they pierced my hands and my feet, and, and they wagged their heads at me, and they said, let God deliver him. I mean, all of these, he, he said, they, 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 uh, uh, they cast lots from my vesture. All of these things were fulfilled at the crucifixion of Jesus Christ. David had no way of knowing that, but he's just worshiping and praising and glorifying God. And as he's doing that in song, he's actually prophesying. And uh, one scripture that comes to mind is the Bible tells us about a woman that comes to anoint Jesus. And uh, she's judged for it because she's a woman that is not a clean woman. But Jesus' response when they began to rebuke her, he said, let her alone. He said, against the day of my burying, hath she done this. Now, if you study that, nobody was allowed to anoint Jesus' body for burial except for her. Because when the women came to anoint his body for burial, he had already risen. So she anointed his body for burying in advance. And it happened in worship. Her worship became prophetic. Can I just tell you that if you want to be used in the gifts of the Spirit and the things of God, learn to be a worshiper. And that's exactly what David was. David was a worshiper and Jesus loved Love to be called the son of David. And so David does many great things throughout his kingship. David, everywhere he turns, and now I'm going to the book of 2 Samuel, uh, and I'm now in 2 Samuel. David, everywhere he turns, he wins battles. He's constantly winning battles. Um, he turns to the right hand, he wins battles against the Philistines, he wins battles against the Moabites, uh, he wins battles against all of Israel's enemies. Everywhere he turns, he never loses a battle. He keeps winning and winning and winning and and winning and winning, and he gains more and more and more territory and more and more riches. And then at one point in Second Samuel, he uh, tells God, he said, God, I don't believe it's right. And he's talking to the prophet Nathan, and he says, I don't believe it's right that, that, uh, that the tabernacle of the Lord should be in tents, and here I am dwelling in a palace. And Nathan, you know, right off the top of his head, just says, all right, David, go ahead and do whatever is in your heart, for the Lord is with you. But that night, the Lord appeared to Nathan, and he told him, no, you tell him he can't build my house, because he's a bloody man, he shed blood. And so he says, however, uh, uh, his son will build me a great tabernacle, he'll build me a house. And he says, I will establish my covenant with the house of David forever, forever. It's a beautiful, beautiful chapter uh, to be talked about. And that is in Second uh, Samuel chapter number seven. And I, I want to actually read some of this because I think it's so important. And it says this, uh, verse number 12, And when thy days be fulfilled, and thou shalt sleep with thy fathers, I will set up thy seed after thee, which shall proceed out of thy bowels, and I will establish his kingdom. He shall build an house for my name, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom for." Ever. Now this was partially fulfilled with Solomon. He did build the house of the Lord. But notice it says, I will establish his throne, uh, the throne of his kingdom forever. Now Solomon's kingdom came to an end. Uh, David's sons, ultimately their kingship came to an end. But through Jesus, it is established forever because king, Jesus is king 
uh, forever. He'll, he'll never lose his throne. He'll never lose his throne. And so uh, then you can read in the book of Second Samuel after that, David starts taking all of the money and the proceeds from his battles and all of the, of the money and he starts storing it back for the kingdom. He holds it back. And so he holds back and some scholars have estimated in the billions of dollars worth of, of gold and silver and precious things for the house of the Lord that's going to be built later. So not only was he a worshiper, he was also uh, a man that sacrificed. And once again, can I just say this? If you want to be used by God, learn to be a worshiper and learn to be somebody that sacrifices for God. And so David sacrifices for God and, and we see uh, in uh, some more of his conquests in chapter number 8 of Second Samuel. And then in Second Samuel chapter number 9, David says, is there anybody left of the house of Jonathan that I may show kindness unto him? And uh, they said, there's one son, there's a man by the name of Mephibosheth, and Mephibosheth is a crippled. Now, when Mephibosheth heard that King David was calling for him, he became greatly afraid because he thought, oh no, he's going to do what so many other kings of other nations have done. He's going to kill uh, anybody he perceives to be a threat. So when he comes before David, he falls down asking for mercy. But David says, cheer up, Mephibosheth. You're going to eat with me at my table. And he says, who am I? Just a dead dog that's going to do this. But you see, David had something else going for him. He was a merciful man. So, so far we've learned that David was a worshiper. David was a man that sacrificed. And also David was merciful. Now, here's the thing. Remember what the New Testament says. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Because David showed mercy to Mephibosheth, and because he showed mercy to other people that he could have killed, Saul, for instance, uh, David is going to be shown great mercy. Now, I do believe it's because he repented. I do believe it's because he, he loved God, and he worshipped God, and he confessed his faults and failures. But I also believe it's the fact that David was a merciful man. So he showed mercy there. But then in chapter number 11, David makes a very, very terrible mistake. And he, uh, he stays home from a battle, and he's out on the tower of his kingdom at night. He's walking on the roof of his kingdom, and he looks out, and he sees a woman washing herself, and she was a beautiful woman. Her name was Bathsheba. He, when he inquired of, after her, he found out that she was the wife of one of his warriors, Uriah. And by then, the lust had become a flame, and so he uh, slept with her that night and sent her back home. And then she sent him word and said, I'm pregnant. So David attempted to cover his sin and he tried to get Uriah to come home from the battle. And Uriah refused to go home to be with his wife. And so David tried everything. He tried getting him drunk. He tried sending him home with gifts. None of it worked. And so finally David sent him out and told Joab, put him in the front lines of the battle and make sure that he dies. And, and so uh, David does this, and he covers his, his, his sin, or at least he thinks he does. And then uh, he, he brings Bathsheba in to be his wife, and he thought he had gotten away with it. But the Lord saw it. Can I just tell you, you'll never get away with your sin, because God will always see it. It doesn't matter if man sees it or not, God will always see it. And God will make sure that your sin will find you out. Uh, I believe it's in the book of Deuteronomy that says, Be sure, be sure your sins will find you out. And so... Uh, David uh, brings Bathsheba in to be his wife, and he's going about life. And one, and finally, one day, the Lord speaks to Nathan the prophet and says, "Go in. I've got a message for you to to give to the king." And so the king tells this little parable. And I, I'm going to make a long story short, but basically, the parable was about a rich man that had many flocks and herds who had a neighbor. 
uh, that was poor. And the neighbor had one little ewe lamb, and it was like a daughter to him, and he uh, slept with it and everything else, and it sat with him at his table. And he said the rich man had a traveler that came one day, and he said he didn't want to kill one of his own flocks or herds, but uh, he sent and grabbed the poor man's uh, little ewe lamb, and he, he killed it, and he fed the traveler with this poor little ewe lamb. And when David hears this story, his righteous indignation rises up within him, and he says, he shall restore fourfold, and he shall die. And he passes judgment quickly when somebody else is in view. Can I just tell you, we're quick to pass judgment when somebody else's sin is in view. But then when Nathan the prophet looked at him, he said, Thou art the man. And when he said that, uh, I, I can only imagine what must have gone through the heart and soul of David. And then he begins to say, uh, I gave you all of these things into your hands, David. God speaking through the prophet Nathan. And, and he said, if that wouldn't have been enough, I would have given you so much more. Anything you would have asked. Why did you do such a wicked thing? And, and he said, therefore, the sword will never depart from your house. And, and uh, he, he said, and also, you've caused the enemies of the Lord to blaspheme. And can I just tell you, your sin affects more than just you, and it affects somebody more than just who you sin against. Uh, many times, when people see our hypocrisy, it causes them to blaspheme. If they know you're supposed to be a church goer, goer and you serve God, um, and, and, and they see your hypocrisy, it'll cause them to blaspheme. And because David was the king of Israel, he should have been different from other kings of other nations. But now, people would look at him and say, ah, he's no different than the other kings. There must be nothing more to their God than the other nations. And so, so then uh, David says, I have sinned against the Lord. But rather than do like Saul did, but the people, uh, or, but it's Bathsheba's fault. She shouldn't have been bathing in public or, or you know, it, it's, it's just, it was just a simple mistake, Lord. Please, really, let me explain. No, David just said, I have sinned against the Lord. And Nathan responded, the Lord also hath put away thy sin. Thou shalt not die. Now, according to the law, adultery was worthy of murder. Uh, you, you, you killed the adultery. You stoned him. Uh, and obviously, David could, committed both adultery and murder. Both of them were punishable by death, according to the law. But David reached ahead of the law and got a hold of mercy simply because he said, I have sinned against the Lord. He was quick to repent. And after the prophet Nathan leaves, uh, Nathan said that uh, the child that is to be born to Bathsheba shall surely die because of your sin. David laid on his face and he prayed and he wept and he fasted before God. And the child died. And they, they said they feared to tell him, his servants feared to tell him because they said if he's punishing himself this much over uh, what's happening now, how much more will he when we tell him that his child is dead? But finally they went and they said, your child is dead. And David Went, got up, washed himself, came out and ate. And his servants were confused. They said, why did you weep? But then when the child, we told you that the child was dead, you got up. And he said, uh, he said, I will go to the child again. He said, he's, he's dead now. He said, I thought maybe the Lord would show mercy. He said, but one day I'll go to him again. And if I can kind of put it this way, David not only was a man that was quick to repent, but he was also quick to accept the Lord's mercies and to move on.
And I'm going to close with this today and say this. We've learned that David was a worshiper. We've learned that David was, because he was a worshiper and, and because he was a man that sacrificed, he was a prophet. Uh, we've also learned that David was merciful. And because he was merciful, he obtained mercy. He was quick to repent. But also, he was quick to accept God's forgiveness and to move on. And can I just say this? That if you've repented to God and God's forgiven you of your sins and you've been renewed in His Spirit, stop living in the past. You can't drive looking in the rearview mirror. Uh, You've got to move forward at some time. You've got to move forward. I like what God spoke to Moses when he was at the Red Sea and the people were complaining. He said, just speak to the children of Israel that they go forward. Can I tell you, just keep moving forward. All right, let's pray. Jesus, we thank you so much for this opportunity that we've had to study your word. God, I'm asking that you would speak to everybody under the sound of my voice. Help us to be worshipers. Help us to be quick to sacrifice. Help us to be quick to show mercy. Help us also to be quick to receive your mercy and to move forward. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening. May God bless.